0: This episode of the Series A podcast is brought to you by the Blockchain Founders Fund. The Blockchain Founders Fund is a global entrepreneurship and investment fund that focuses on adding value to emerging technology and blockchain projects with real-world applications. The Blockchain Founders Fund supports seasoned and first-time entrepreneurs across the key business function with a hands-on intensive go-to-market venture program. With Rohan Aurora, Uh, who is Vice President at HIG Capital, and uh, he's based out of uh, San Francisco. Uh, Rohan, welcome to the Series A podcast. How are you doing this uh, Friday morning?
1: Very good. Thanks so much for um, taking some time to speak to me. Good to be here.
0: So before we get started with the regular uh, questions, I would like just uh, to have your quick comment on the current state of the economy. Uh, it seems that today friday uh, markets have uh, started uh, better than the past days so do you think uh, we are bounce we are out uh, about to bounce off uh, the bottom or or not
1: I think we're seeing a lot of negative signs for the economic outlook going forward for the rest of this year and um, into the years ahead so if you look at what's happened with interest rates if you look at what's happened with, um, you know, tensions in Eastern Europe. If you continue to look at the rising energy prices and rates of inflation on both sides of the Atlantic, I think you can see the components of um, recessionary environments. I mean, we've already seen some of that in the economic growth picture from both the US and um, over in Europe as well. And so I think it's reasonable to assume that there's a fair likelihood of a recession being likely over the years that years that follow. And so I think we will continue to see more uncertainty um, in the months ahead um, as the markets try to price that, both the financing and the equity markets. Um, And I think we'll continue to see that until um, later this year to get to some type of stability, but probably stability at a significantly lower level than where people have been operating for recent years.
0: Mm -hmm. So would you say that uh, the United States economy is currently in a recession? I
1: wouldn't say that, the, 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 that we're currently in a deep recession. I would say that you see signs that trigger, um, that, that indicate the triggering of a recession in, um, in the near term.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, how about the crypto markets? Do you have a point of view on this uh, kind of asset?
1: Hard to, hard, to, hard to make predictions or, or forecasts as to where the future of the crypto markets lies um, compared to where things are at the moment. Um, I think the, the asset class is one where I personally spend less time um, at this per- point in time, given, um, given the private equity uh, markets primarily focuses on the purchase um, of um, companies, both private and public. Um, but um, yeah, an area where I spend less time, so don't have a very strong view.
0: Mm-hmm. Very nice, so let's uh, take a step back. Uh, If you can uh, tell us a little bit about your background and uh, how did you end up in private equity?
1: Yeah, so I, um, upon graduating, um, I spent time at a number of different institutions. I started out at Evercore um, in London where I was doing advisory with a focus on private equity advisory. Um, so we were helping private equity firms um, sell companies, buy companies, um, think about growing their companies, and creating value during the hold. Um, and so I was there for um, for some time, and then from there moved across to mid-market private equity fund in Europe, um, where you know I got the experience of um, leading transactions across a whole host of um, host of different um, nuances, but primarily in the consumer sector a um, couple of other um, sectors of expertise as well. Um, and then also particularly focusing on, you know, growing companies operationally, creating value, um, developing value over time. Um, and so, you know, I got got, got the opportunity there to uh, work and, and lead a whole host of different things um, and then moved across to the US where I um, was working for a mid-market private equity fund as well, um, do, operating in a similar, um, similar set of... Um, Sort of expertise, the same same expertise I had uh, learned before and applying it there, before I moved across to um HIG, where I use the same expertise um, and really focus on you know, that um that private equity, private equity, um, pr- private equity landscape um here in the US.
0: hmm Um from the information I that which is available online with respect to HIG capital um i saw that uh, of course it's a very large uh, fund actually a family of funds uh, total aum of 48 billion usd uh, and the funds are also private equity real estate growth mm-hmm. equity and debt to uh, debt and credit uh, would you like to share with the audience uh, kind of the structure of HIG, and uh, later on we will talk a little bit more about your role within this uh, organization.
1: Yeah, um, HIG is a, uh, is a large diversified asset manager that um, is, is very much specialized um, in the mid-market um, and you know, looks at a broad host of different asset classes that you've identified. Um, you know, I think the track record of HIG has been stellar um over, over time. And um, you know, the fund has continued to to grow and um and provide lots of opportunities for those, um, for those working there and for the portfolio companies that we um that we have the privilege of working with as well. Um and so yeah, I think um obviously a fantastic platform, a global platform. Um, and you know, we're all very excited to be part of the team.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, before you joined HIG, you were in a smaller private equity firm uh, named Insignia. Uh, How was uh, the transition uh, from the smaller shop to say the larger uh, conglomerate, I would say, which HIG seems to be? Yeah,
1: I think um, there's a lot of similarities. in terms of the, you know, obviously you're using the same expertise and it's the same field, but um, the, the the key difference, of course, is just around the number of transactions that the funds complete just by the definition of their size. Um, and so the, whilst the deals styles are, 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 are the same and very similar, the difference really lies in the, um, in the, in, in the number of them. Um, and also I think that the, I think, you know, in, in a larger institution, you're often, you, you often have more more of a network of different resources that you can lie or rely upon um, given the size of the institution and so you're able to pull upon lots of different resources that um, you know, the, the, the smaller funds have less of.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, Rohan, have you been focusing your analysis and your investments in some specific sector or do you uh, look at uh, a variety of sectors?
1: I I I I explore a variety of different sectors. I focus and spend a lot of time in the consumer space, um, also in the um, in in the healthcare space, and then also within the um, you know tech enabled services um, and services space as well.
0: What would you say are the strategic goals of HIG?
1: I think um, you know we are obviously you know, continuing to looking to continue our track record with. Um, our investors and also with the people that we partner with. Um, you know, we deliver fantastic outcomes for the, um, for the people that we partner with and the teams that we, we partner with and we're very proud of that. And so we hope to carry that forward and continue to replicate that um, over multiple economic cycles and continue to grow and expand the, expand the firm and, um, and, and develop talent.
0: Walk us through a leveraged buyout transaction starting from identifying the target and all the way through to the exit of the investment?
1: Yes, yeah, so typically we, we're we spending time, um, you know, speaking to intermediaries, meeting founders and identifying interesting opportunities. And, you know, one of the things that we are, are often doing at the same time is learning a lot about the, um, you know, the industry that they operate in, you know, what some of the trends are, what some of the risks are. Um, and, you know, if we a form a view that we think a company is interesting, we would submit what we call an initial offer, like an, um, an indication of interest. Um, if that indication of interest seems to be interesting to the other side, you know, we'll go and spend some more time with them and get to know them and, you know, get to really understand more about their business and look at some some more data about their business to really help us understand better, you know, what kind of proposal, um, you know, we might be able to, um, and you know, put forward, um, having spent time understanding the business, uh, and really seek to lock up that proposal in much more detail in what's called a letter of intent. Um, and then after signing the letter of intent, we would do a lot of our confirmatory diligence, um, working with our third party service, service providers um, and our and our teams to really understand, you know, the business, check that all the diligence that, that we think drives our risks and investment theses and our value creation opportunity checks out before we would sign an investment uh, onto the platform, and obviously, once the investment is there, we'll, you know, be very helpful to the teams. We will help them with strategic initiatives, with and A, with financings, with, you know, being able to, you know, continue to grow and expand the the companies. Um, it's important to point out, as you said, given its leverage buyouts, I mean, there's also a debt process. When we make the initial investment, um, we typically buy companies um, similar to other private equity firms and the fact that we use a mix of debt and our own money, which is equity. Um, and then, you know, um, at the as we think about the exit years, we're thinking about how we position the company for exit, who the right next partner on the company's journey might be. Um, and then, you know, really um, try and demonstrate that to the market when we look to um, exit the business and deliver a successful outcome for everybody involved.
0: Fantastic. Uh, with respect to fundraising for the various funds, um, first of all, have you been, um, are you involved in the process? And if so, could you tell, share with us some tips uh, when uh, fundraising for uh, large private equity funds?
1: So we have a dedicated um, um, fundraising group um, that's experts in Experts in this that we work very closely with, and um, you know, obviously our track record of fundraising um, has been has been great. And um, I can't um, I can't elaborate on all of the different fundraisings, um, just given confidentiality reasons. But um, you know, I think the um, I think what I would say um, over from what I've observed over time in private equity is that people really care about you know fund performance. They care about that, um, you know, the, the the great team that um, people have and being able to navigate different economic cycles. And I think the firm has been able to really demonstrate that incredibly well and um, continue to gain the support of a lot of top tier um, limited partners over time.
0: How do you find value in a company that you are about to invest?
1: I think, you know, we're often looking for um, an opportunity to really find a way to grow that company. You know, it might be, through you know helping them launch a new product or bring an existing product to more customers or grow a share of wallet or um, you know be able to internationalize or through um, you know value accretive ads and acquisitions to add on smaller companies to their platform so a whole host of different ways we have in-house operating experts that we work with as well and you know we try and really you know form a detailed view on a company to be able to give them that holistic support.
0: And uh, with respect to the management of a target company, what is it that uh, you are looking for? Uh, What what kind of uh, metrics or uh, what kind of uh, management is it uh, ideal for an investment?
1: Yeah, you know, I think the the management teams that that are impressive are people who really understand the facts and figures who have a really clear plan for the, business and have the supporting evidence as to why that plan makes sense um people who are able to really be good builders of teams and managers of teams and you know i think those are some of the key hallmarks and uh, that defines some of the most successful partnerships that we have mm-hmm.
0: uh, rohan with respect to risk management how would you protect your downside in a potential acquisition
1: yeah i think um you know we're thinking about we're thinking about the, uh, you know, underlying cash flow generation of the business. We're thinking about, um, you know, the entry, uh, making sure that the um, when we enter the business um, we are prudent and sensible with how we how we think about that. Um, we are thinking about, um, you know, if something goes wrong in the investment, you know, what other things can we do to create value? Um, and we also have a very diversified portfolio, um, so you know, you also have to think about portfolio competition and making sure that risk is managed there as well
0: of an investment bank in an acquisition?
1: So investment banks can be a source of deal flow. Um, and so they can typically be running a sell-side auction, which you may participate in, um, or they could be a buy-side advisor to us, um, helping us navigate the purchase um, with some of their relationships and expertise, particularly sometimes some of their sector expertise if, there's, if they've done a lot of transactions in a particular um, space.
0: What would you consider a good LBO target?
1: I think somewhere you know for us, a good lBO target is something that's um you know has has that cash flow generation is in a you know is in a good market where we where we have confidence in the future of that market, something where you know we think we can add value and create value um, using our operational toolkit um, and then you know somewhere where we have confidence in the team that we're partnering with and backing um, and you know something that um, and then also you know some of the characteristics that define. Um, good businesses. You know, high barriers to entry. Um, you know, there's um, just a, a sustainable market position. Um, you know, they have like um, switching power. Um, you know, kind of some of the more classic um definitions of what make good business as well.
0: As a vice president in uh, HIG, uh, what would you say are your main deliverables in this uh, role?
1: Yeah, so we um, you know, we're very much responsible for. Um, with the team running the deal process, um, you know, for helping find some of the targets, um, and running the acquisition process, um, and then also being very involved in um, in leading the value creation initiatives and and the exit um, process, um, and you know, being able to you know navigate that full investment um, process. And so, you know, what exactly we're doing depends on where we are on in the investment cycle on a particular investment. But I um, mean, you know, we're very much um, leaders across the board of some of those different. Um, different um, initiatives um, working with the rest of our teams here as well
0: so how does your team increase the value of a portfolio company after uh, it has acquired a large uh, stake equity stake
1: yeah so typically we're thinking about um th- thinking about um some value creation initiatives i mentioned um you know things like um M&A, things like um being able to, you know, grow revenues, new markets, new products, existing products, growing wallet share, um, and 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 typically optimizing, you know, helping com- um, companies run optimal um, optimal structures. So, you know, those are some of the key initiatives that we pursue with management.
0: And uh, when uh, you are looking at a target company in a sector that you invest in, what are some key metrics that you? are looking for in the, in the company
1: structure? Um, I think we're looking at, you know, the historical revenue growth and sort of the plan to grow it going forwards. Some of the margin profile, we're looking at the cash flow profile. We're looking at sort of some of the key metrics, depending on the industry, um, you know, quite important um, various operational metrics around staff retention, um, you know, sales pipeline conversion, sort of a whole host of, sort of due diligence metrics.
0: Finally, Rohan, is there a, a path to somebody who wants to enter the private equity sector? Is there a, a degree in college that they should take? Or uh, where do usually people that work in uh, private equity firms come from in terms of education and uh, experience?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's, it's common for people to, to take, um, you know, um and economics or management or degree or both to get that exposure to finance and accounting and core concepts that underpin private equity. Um, And then from there, people will then spend time in an investment bank um, or including spending some time advising
0: private equity.
1: Um, And then typically people enter the industry from there.
0: Uh, Rohan, it has been a pleasure talking to you and thank you for sharing your insights about the private equity sector. Uh, I will include the, um, the website of uh, HIG in the show notes and uh, can uh, people uh, seek for you and ask you some advice? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, fantastic. Uh, thank you very much, Rohan. Thanks so much.